It's time for This Week in WordPress, episode number 257, entitled New Platform. It was recorded on Monday the 19th of June 2023. My name's Nathan Wrigley and I'll be joined today by three guests. I'm joined by Michelle Frechette, Bob Don and Maya Lonka. We are a WordPress podcast, so that's mainly what we're going to talk about. First up, we talk about the changes in Gutenberg 16.0. There's a few things which are certainly worth taking note of. The next piece is all about whether or not we should change the Q&A section at WordCamp events. Certain people seem to think an adaptation wouldn't go amiss. WordPress Accessibility Day has become charitable. I can never remember the American term for this, but it's become a charity. How will that affect what they can do and how they can do it? WordPress.org has some new flags. Commercial and community can now be filtered. What are they for and why might they be used? We also talk about North Commerce briefly and the fact that Jetpack has added their AI capabilities into the product. We also get into the podcast that I did about maxi blocks, and then finally a conversation about social networks and Reddit specifically. It's all coming up next on This Week in WordPress. This episode of the WP Builds podcast is brought to you by GoDaddy Pro, the home of managed WordPress hosting that includes free domain, SSL, and 24-7 support. Bundle that with the hub by GoDaddy Pro to unlock more free benefits to manage multiple sites in one place, invoice clients, and get 30% off new purchases. Find out more at go.me forward slash WP Builds. Hello, 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 hello. Brand new platform, broken by all accounts. Rob Cairns, thank you very much for your, for your comment. Uh, I have no idea why. What? I'll tell you the story, Rob, just before we introduce the guests. I figured out I was going to, you know, I like to tinker and play with new platforms and all that kind of stuff. So here we are. We're trying a new platform. Previously, previously I've been using Restream with a WordPress plugin to sort of figure out when the, the the episode went live. I, I I tested it and it worked perfectly, but it's not gone onto the wpbuilds.com live page. But there you go, that's life. It's still going out on YouTube and so on. So you know, we'll we'll see if we can manage. But thank you for joining us. This is this week in WordPress episode rather a lot. I'm not sure exactly how many. Two hundred. <laughs> 57, I think it might be. But we're joined by some fabulous WordPressers. We're going to drone on about the WordPress news for this week. Let's go round the houses and introduce all the participants. First up, just down there somewhere, there, there is Michelle Frechette. How are you doing, Michelle? I am much better than this time last week. Oh, <laughs> what happened? I got COVID oh, from you... WordCamp Europe. Oh, oh I'm <laughs> This sorry. is my first first day out of bed so yeah were you able today, to travel well. were you able to travel and all of that did you hit, you'd hit the tarmac at home before you knew did you I hit the tarmac yeah I started coughing on the plane and started feeling pretty badly and then um I got home and woke up the next morning and thought oh this is not good took took the test and realized that yes indeed I did have COVID so oh, I'm so sorry I, I know that it's okay absolutely de debilitating but anyway Michelle Frechette is the director of community engagement for Stella WP at Liquid Web in addition to work at Stella WP Michelle is the podcast barista at WP Coffee Talk she's the co-founder of underrepresentedintech.com creator of WP career pages the president of the board at Big Orange Heart 
director of community yada, relations. Yada, yada. Yeah, yeah. No, it's not. I enjoy doing this. At poststatus.com. She's an author, business coach, frequent organizer, and speaker at WordCamp events. She lives outside Rochester, New York, where she's an avid. And you can find her website, which just explores her more generally, at Meet Michelle Online. And it was lovely to spend some time with you in Athens. How fabulous. Yes, it was so in fact, we were all, all of us. there, weren't we? All four we of us. We were there. Yeah. Oh, that's great. So let's move around the houses. Let's go. Yes, still got the right way. Uh, it's Maya, Maya Longcar. How are you doing, Maya? Christine, just like Michelle explained, we are recovering from uh, WordCamp Europe, and my feet have des have had deserved vacation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah the feet got it actually the heat was pretty amazing and i'm like you if it's hot something something goes slightly awry with my feet so yeah yeah <laughs> anyway let's not go into the details too much of that um maya is a happy word camp traveler she's the match she's into managing events for GoDaddy in the emea region uh she likes promoting websites especially those that are accessible for blind people and just a nice pithy phrase at the end. She's trying to do the right thing. It's lovely to have you with us, Maya. I really appreciate it. And then we have Bob. Can I get the Yes, Bob's in that there corner. <laughs> and, and, then there's there. Bob. and then there's Bob. How are you, Bob? Hey, I'm doing good. Yes. Doing good. Yep. Lovely to have Bob with us. I'd spent rather a lot of time with Bob, actually, over, as we always seem to do these days. We're more or less <laughs> stapled together, which is really nice. Bob is the connector and producer at Do The Woo, um, a community network for WooCommerce builders. Uh, they have a simple goal, which is to create a platform for the community, by the community, to help elevate and connect builders of WooCommerce and WordPress through their journey. Story and Wins is unique in this, uh, sorry, and special ecosystem of ours. And he does it all from Porto, Portugal. You're settled in over there now. Mm, oh, yeah, I think so. You know, yeah. kind of settled in. We have our residency appointment in Lisbon this Friday. So that's the big next step. Good so this, this weekend is crazy. I have I mean, to ask, right? What if, I, I know, you know, I mean, I'm touching wood and all sorts of things. But what if, what if they say no? Do you have to just up sticks and go back home or, you know, what, what you know, that's a good question. I don't, oh, sorry. Anybody, I don't know if anybody really has been turned down on this area, you know, a psychopath or something, but okay. you know, yeah, I mean, there's, <laughs> there's a chance there then, but um, no, I, I don't know. You know, I never really thought of preparing for that. I guess I'll yeah. just um, wander away and, live on the beach till they kick me out or something. Oh, <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> Loving it in Porto. I'm going to stay on the beach. I do apologize if you've just joined us. Usually the, the this episode goes live on the wpbuilds.com forward slash live page. It doesn't seem to have done. But then again, it doesn't really seem to have stopped you finding it somehow or other. So, you know, maybe who cares? But thank you for joining us. I really appreciate it. I'm Again, because it's new, I might click the buttons. I might click the wrong buttons. I'm, I'm going to try. So here we go. We've got Elliot Sowersby who's saying hi there. We've got Rob Ken saying good morning, but it's not showing on the page. Thank you for pointing that out. That's really useful to know. I'll, I'll get it fixed up. We've got Cameron Jones saying hi as well. Cameron was, uh, I spent the last night in uh, in Athens with Cameron. That was really nice. And uh, I'll, I'll, there's a story after I stop. <laughs> I won't tell you about uh, we've got Maya who's joining. Oh, no, she's there. Um, we've got Birgit joining us. Hello. Peter Ingersoll has joined us and he's given us his weather report, as he always does. Good morning on this lovely sunny morning here in Connecticut, 19 degrees centigrade, 67 degrees Fahrenheit. Peter, for once in my life, for this time only, I am going to win the temperature wars. It's 26 degrees centigrade. 
250 billion degrees Fahrenheit. That's what it feels like. <laughs> I've been out for a walk and I am hot. Let's put it that way. Hello from Israel, says Roman. Hello there, Roman. Nice for you to join us. Thank you so much. And then there's a bunch of other comments, but uh, maybe we'll get to... Ah, oh, nice comment about Porto there. Look, Tom Voltz, Porto, lovely. Lots of good wine along the Duro. Yeah, nice. Well, thank you for anybody who's making a comment. Really appreciate it. We are, of course, a WordPress podcast. And so let's get stuck into some sort of WordPressy news. First thing just to say is this is our website, wpbuilds.com. You can see, look, this nice big yellow banner uh, just here. Look, it says we're sponsored by GoDaddy Pro. So great big hand claps and thanks to them for making this all possible. Really appreciate it. I've been doing this for absolutely ages now and uh, and it's really made a really big difference so well thank you to everybody there including you Maya really appreciate it uh, if you want to sign up you can do that by clicking this button here and then just you know click on random things in the menu and see if anything useful shows up possibly it will maybe not here's our first piece of news it is Nick Diego writing in make WordPress core sorry make.wordpress.org it's all about core uh, he's telling us what's new in Gutenberg 16.0. And there's actually quite a lot of nice stuff in here, which I like. I'll just quickly go through it, and then we'll talk about it in general. So Gutenberg 16.0 um, has been released. So hopefully, if you are uh, messing around with the Gutenberg um, in the in the plugin, or and you can certainly expect this stuff in the near future. But the highlight items, really, are that you're going to be able to manage pages in the site editor. Prior to this, it was kind of a discombobulating experience. If you wanted to build a page, you had to go to the, 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 the page section and add a new page, and you were in the old WordPress admin, and that was fine. It, you know, it's what we're all used to. But then in site editing, if you wanted to edit a template or something like that, which governed how a page was laid out, that all looked really different. So what they're trying to achieve is one UI to get everybody to see things in exactly the same way. And so that's basically what you can do. This piece is called What's New in Gutenberg 16.0. I'll link to it in the show notes. And essentially now the interface is exactly the same as you can see on the screen. Sorry if you're listening to this on audio. But basically you've got the big black sidebar on the left, which now replaces uh, the WP admin bar on the left. And, uh, and it enables you to edit pages, but it also enables you to edit templates. I've got to say, I'm, I'm a bit confused about whether I'm editing a page or whether I'm editing a template because the experience is so similar. I, I find that a little bit discombobulating. They've also added dimension controls and post templates to get nicer block spacing. Previously, you had to do that with CSS. So let's say you've, I don't know, you've created a post page and you've got little cards on there. Previously, you had to separate those cards with a bit of custom CSS. Now you've got just a nice, simple toggle. You slide left and right for margin, top, bottom, padding, top, bottom, and then left and right you can do with a different toggle. That's quite nice. And then this is really cool, especially, well, maybe Maya or um, Michelle can speak to this. I'm not entirely sure. We've got the details block. And this this is a block which has been in development. Uh, it's been introduced in, in Gutenberg 15.6, but it's no longer an experiment. It's available. You drop this block in, and it's got two parts. It's got a title and then the text um, or whatever you want it to be. And I've been using this for transcripts. So if you're looking at the screen, you've got this little toggle, which is kind of like a left an arrow. And you can either you toggle it and it goes down, you toggle it and it goes back up. You can see the title. I write transcript in that little section. And then I put the transcript in the section underneath. It just enables you to collapse something and uncollapse it and collapse it and uncollapse it. And I was told by a bunch of accessibility people when I did it that it was 
okay. It wasn't super perfect, but it was actually, you know, it was reasonable. Then there's a bunch of other highlights as well. I've talked too long. I'm going to hand it over to you, and I'm hoping that you're going to all interrupt each other. And who's going to go first? Whoever you want. Oh, we're too pl polite to interrupt each other. <laughs> Do I need to name you one at a time? I mean, I'll interrupt you anytime, Nathan, but the rest of these fine folks, less so. Um, I'm excited about some of the changes. I think that some of the blocks that give us more um, options and different ways to outlay information allows us not to have people say, oh, I could tell it's a WordPress website. You know, you hear that a lot, right? Oh, I could tell it's a WordPress. That's first of all, it's untrue because <laughs> we can make our websites anything we want. But the more of malleability we have and more flexibility we have with how we build our pages makes it even less likely for somebody to say, oh, that's just a, co a cookie cutter site. So having um, additional options like this makes me happy. Nice. Thank you very much, Michelle. Anything to add or contribute to that, Maya or the Bob? Well, maybe I can say just uh, maybe a couple of weeks back, we tried to um, evaluate whether Gutenberg is accessible to blind people, but we couldn't. I mean, there were some positive results, but Gutenberg is not uh, accessible to blind people. So there has to be a lot of things done before even people with disabilities are able to use it. That's interesting. Can you, do you recall off the top of your head what some of the key findings were, some of the bits and pieces which made it largely? I wasn't funny. present when, the, when they were doing the checking, but I know that Lazar even mentioned it in his talk at WordCamp Europe this year, that there was a question whether hosting, or I think that Saukovic asked, like, you know, was the cPanel accessible to blind people and stuff like that. Uh, but then Lada made the remark that Gutenberg is not something that he would be able to use. Interesting. Well, that's not good, is it? <laughs> I mean, that's really quite bad. So, yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly a lot. Of... I do remember right when Gutenberg was released, there was a lot of work done straight after its release when it when it came into wordpress 5.0 there was a lot of talk about it's in it's inaccessible nature and then i do remember in the news there was lots and lots of things prior after that where people were working on making it more accessible but ever since then there's been an avalanche of new things added seemingly a, a week or two doesn't go by when something new is piled on top so we've got this new, um, you know, this new block and this new way of creating paddings and margin and so on and so forth. And and I guess keeping up with that from an accessibility point of view, Maya, what you're saying is it hasn't really it hasn't really managed to do that. Not at this point. anyway. Well, I know for sure that he wouldn't be able to finalize a page. So but I wouldn't be able to tell you at this moment. I mean, we can invite him and do the with the channel. We can check if. Yes. You know, Let's do maybe it. We can do uh, a test, uh, but he wasn't able to use it by himself. Oh, that's so disappointing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that is disappointing. Okay, well, I'll chalk that one down. At the end of this show, Maya, I'll be contacting you, and we'll <laughs> see if we can see if we can get another show made about exactly that. Any thoughts on this, Bob? No, I was going to do the happy Gutenberg feature dance, and then Maya just. Nailed just, me so the dance uh, yeah. went away out of my mind. <laughs> so I'm going to just sit here and we can move on. Okay. I, I broadly, so you're going to you have to forgive me because I'm not going to speak to the accessibility things. Uh, I, I am, as, as month goes after month, from the point of view of somebody who is able to click a mouse and see a screen and all of that kind of stuff, I, I just it just makes me happier and happier as each month goes by. And things like this, uh, sorry, this tell summary block 
is just perfect for my needs. And it just, that, it just seems that there's loads of stuff coming out which exactly hits the sweet spot of what I need. But Maya, I've written it down. I'll speak to you after the show and we'll see if we can, <laughs> see if we can get something highlighted because that would be kind of a nice thing to do, wouldn't it? Okay. Uh, right. Let's move on to the next piece in that case. Right. So I don't know what you make of this. Whenever I go to a WordCamp, pretty much after every session, a little bit of time is allocated for a Q&A. So let's say it's an hour. Uh, there's typically, I don't know, 40 minutes of presentation, something like that, and then 20 minutes is allocated for the person doing that presentation to receive questions. So far, every single time I've been to a WordCamp, those questions are just on the fly. The person rocks up to the mic or the mic is brought to them and they begin whatever it is that they wish to say. Typically, that's a question. And then, you know, it's on message and the person answer it, answers it and we move on. And after 20 minutes, you know, that's the end of that. But this, um, this article came out in the Tavern in response to a tweet from the performance team's Felix Arntz. And I'll just paraphrase. Basically, what he's saying is it, it is a bit of a waste of everybody's time if in that hour where there's 20 minutes available for questions, somebody gets up and is obviously, A, self-promoting. So they just give this big spiel, which in the end is about something that I'm building. Well, I'm building this thing and, you know, and then you, you obviously you're waiting. Okay, now drop the name. Okay, you drop the name. Great. Now we all know. Or the person is just making some kind of commentary. You know, they're not asking a question. They're just saying something that they wish to say. Um, and what Felix is saying is, wouldn't it be better to, to waste everybody's time less and less and less to, to essentially have a system of pre-vetted questions I don't think anybody's kind of worked out what that is, but okay, let's all submit questions beforehand that are pertinent to the subject in hand, or perhaps they could even be submitted during the presentation, and then there's some kind of online system where they get upvoted or downvoted. And I think this is all born out of probably Felix's frustration. He obviously attended a bunch of talks at WordCamp EU and experienced frustration when this happened repeatedly. I don't know what I... Not entirely sure what I think. I've been in that situation where I've thought to myself, you know, it's been in my head and I haven't uttered a word, but I've thought, okay, you've had three minutes now. Where's the question? So that thought has definitely crossed my, my mind. But also I do like the fact that people sometimes want to stand up and just, you know, they're making something up as they go because they've just heard something during, this, during the presentation. They wouldn't have had the capacity to pre-submit it. They wanted to wait till the person delivered what they delivered. And on we go. Felix has, or somebody in the in this piece has suggested, wouldn't it be nice to give the speakers the option to not have questions at all and just talk for the entire hour? Because it may be that some people are terrified of that moment. You know, the worst thing is the well, the, the worst thing apart from doing the presentation itself, which racks them with nerves, is the fact that they then got to answer questions and they might feel, well, I don't know that I'll have the answers to everything. So again. The floor is open. Michelle, I'm going to ask you first, actually, being a, a frequent question answerer at WordCamps, do you like the freedom to just make up what you're going to say at that moment, or do you think it should be more prescribed? Or I don't know. You go. I, I think there's there's a lot more than just a, a like it one way or the other to this. This is very multi-layered. I think that when it comes to the Q&A following anything Matt's involved with, there's it's a different ballgame than if it's in WordCamp Talks. What do you mean and by that? Why, why is that? 
Okay, sure. So when Matt's on the stage, this is everybody's opportunity to have an audience with Matt. Uh, yeah, so yeah. I'm going to ask you a question that's self-serving so that, I mean, not me, a lot of, but, and, and not most people, I will say that too, but there are people who want to make sure that they have an opportunity to ask a question that gets back to whatever they've just released or whatever their business is doing or whatever they're doing. And so it's very self-serving. Then there are people who have a lot to say about the matter it's not necessarily getting back to what something that they're doing or something they're promoting, but they want their opinion heard on it. So there's a lot of, this is what I think, this is what I think, this is what I think. And maybe there's a question at the end, which basically revolves around, but don't you agree with me? And then there are the questions that are honestly seeking answers to what's going on in the community, what's going on with the software. I, I like to think that my questions are like that, for example, you know, that I'm asking a question about what, how are we meeting the community's needs um, this way, X, Y, or Z. And others may not think that's what I'm doing. Completely open to your judgment. When you and, and I think that that's what happens a lot when we see Josefa or we see uh, Matthias or we see uh, especially Matt Mullenweg on the stage. At flagship events like WordCamps Europe, uh, Asia, and US, we also often see bigger name speakers on the stage, people who have big projects, people who have lo uh, a lot of um, sway in the community. And so you'll see some of that happening there as well. But where you don't see that happening or where I haven't seen that happening is at the smaller, more regional camps. So WordCamp Buffalo happened a couple of months ago. I gave a talk on podcasting. People might have questions that they came with about podcasting, but then they also had questions based on the things that I said in, in the talk. Nobody asked a question there that was self-serving. Nobody asked a question there that was, but what about this? And what about what I'm doing? And look at me. It was all like, oh, really? Well, what about this? And what do you think about this? And how would I do that? And really seeking to um, better understand podcasting. And so you have all of these different various levels of how big a camp is. The, the speaker on the stage having more or less a sway within the community and within the open source project. And then you have the ultimate, which is the, the people who are very much at the top of making decisions regarding the community and the open source project. And so I think people come to the podium or they come to the, or they just sit and, and ask their questions where they are based on who's on the stage and whatever self agenda they may or may not have, whether that just be wanting to know more about what you're talking about or wanting to get something in front of you so that you will either endorse it or learn more about what they're doing. So, so do you feel like, so as an example, WordCamp Europe, is it's being every session, my understanding is every session was live streamed. I don't know what the attendance figures for those live things are, but let's imagine it was a couple of hundred or, or perhaps even more watching live. Um, but and then especially for like the Matt one, where that auditorium was basically full, I came in just as it was kicking off. And I really struggled to find a seat. I mean, I really had to walk from the top like halfway down. And, you know, it, there were that, that auditorium was massive and it was basically full. So you, there's, there's going to be a small proportion of people. It's not everybody. There's going to be a small proportion of people who will use that opportunity as free advertising. It's just like I'm going yes. to go up there, say a question which is kind of tangential, but I get my product name and I drop it in. And then, then ask the sort of slightly tangential question. If that's the case, yeah. and I definitely think I picked up on that on a couple of questions, then I think mm -hmm. maybe we do need to restrict. But I, d I don't know how you do that because I don't really like the idea of sitting through a presentation with some kind of polling software open on my phone thinking, okay, who's asking questions? Oh, that's a good question. I want to listen to who's in front of me. I don't want to be worrying about who's asked a good question, whether it should be upvoted or I, I, I don't really mm -hmm. have a, an answer to this, but I get your point. 
the bigger the event, the more likely it is that somebody's going to usurp that. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe we need some sort of little card that we can hold up, just some, <laughs> you know, and as more of these cards go up, like it's so, okay, we're all treating this as spam. Get them off yeah. the stage quickly. Also. <laughs> I don't know. Um, Bob or Maya, anything yeah. on this? You know, I, I I have a, there is a few things I agree with Felix. I mean, I'm, I'm on the side of Michelle. There's too many layers here. But um, I remember back even before WordPress, when I would speak at other conferences, blog conferences and stuff way back. And one of the things I always discovered with Q and A's and I found this at workshops too. And I did workshops and other people did workshops is if I look around the room, well, you can't do it with maths because you know, there's too many people to look at, but how much, how many of the people that are sitting there are really interested in that answer? I see a lot of people zoning out because it's, it can be very, a, a different self-serving because it's not so much your, you know, just talking about yourself, but you're talking about a particular thing that you're concerned about or interested in. And there could be 80% of the people that are like hoping for the next question because they don't find it that interesting. And that that's a tough thing about Q and A's to begin with way back. I mean, that this isn't just word camps. Um, yeah. I, I don't know the, the other thing somebody else mentioned, and I thought it was kind of intriguing in a way in another thread, they said that, why don't we do a like a little networking 15 minute networking with the speaker and you can hang and talk with them which also puts a weird situation on that you know people go up to the speaker talk a bit too long take up space you're standing there waiting in line or milling around it's you know and then then we throw in the thing where i've i've been in sessions where there are no questions and that's very embarrassing to oh, yeah. speak. So awkward, yeah. Yeah, it's very oh, awkward. And you, oh, yeah. you hope to plan a few people around, you know, like if somebody doesn't ask anything. But, you know, nobody really thinks to do that. So there's that awkward moment that can make somebody, especially if they're just starting to speak at WordCamps, feel like, oh, my God, you know, dead silence. And then maybe the first question comes up, almost feels forced because somebody wants to help you and you're thinking, Ugh. so th there's a lot of things. I, 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 myself, I could do without them personally. Right. I could, they could be totally eliminated and I'd be happy. I'd like to see that time almost used for more little bit of networking between, you know, sessions, you have time to do some stuff. Maybe you do find the speaker and you ask a question, but those Q and A's sometimes in the big groups, like um, Shell said, with Matt, sometimes it's like they go on and on and, you know, it's, you know, and, and putting them in beforehand too is really awkward because it's like, then you're picking and choosing and it's not sporadic and it's right. not really as meaningful as if you asked it at the moment. So there's, yeah, there's a lot of things I, I personally could do without them. I think I think with the Matt one, the, just singularly the Matt one, which is obviously massively attended, there might be something in that. But there would definitely be the accusation of you only answered the questions that you wanted to answer, you know, whereas you, you didn't get the ones that maybe asked something that you didn't necessarily want to answer. But I do like the idea, Bob, of as uh, over, I, the speaker, I'm going to go down there and I'll be available for 15 minutes. And the volunteers could, I don't know, get a, a line of people queuing up who want to ask the question. Because the chances of the question directly overlapping 
everybody in the audience is pretty minimal, isn't it? You'd imagine mm -hmm. that maybe 10, 20, 30 percent of the people. So I think that's quite curious. Um, look, Maya, sorry, we've, we've, you've been excluded from this. Any thoughts? Well, not many. I mean, I, I agree with both uh, Michelle and what Bob said. And I mean, when it comes to math questions, those are, let's say, not very often. So maybe if there was in more opportunities, maybe people would be asking, you know, um, different type of questions and then get those answers and then those could be public as well. But if you have to wait for a couple of times in a year to get an answer, I mean, you you get a line. So maybe there should be more opportunities. Yeah. yeah. And, and think about it. Oh, I was just going to say real quick, somebody like Matt, people are going to have the tendency, and I know some people might disagree with this, to want to ask a question to put them on the spot versus a smaller group because they want to like, okay, I have the floor. I can, you know, I can put something out here that kind of, you know, not mean or, or nasty or anything, but something that just like, okay, there's going to be a pause or how's he going to answer this one? So th that kind of throws into the bigger, bigger kind of discussions mm -hmm. or bigger session, but. It's curious. There, it? there because, are... Oh, I apologize. You carry on, Michelle. It's okay. <laughs> there are other ways to do that too, right? So um, we're going to talk about Reddit in a little while. And Reddit does these AMA sessions, right? Where like sometimes it's like the head of Nike answers questions. I'm just pulling things out of the air. But where, where big names will come on and they'll just tell a little bit of their story and they do an AMA and you can literally thread anything and ask any question. Um, we could do that with Tumblr. We could do that with Twitter. We could do that with Mastodon. Like there's lots of ways that we could say like, well, you know, that Matt could say for the next 30 minutes, I know um, Matthias and Josefa and I will be answering questions on Tumblr about the, you know, anything that you heard at the, the presentation. Um, would there still be gotcha questions? Of course. Would there still be people who are trying to, you know, tout their own things? Of course. But that would be very much more easily seen. And other people would pile on those and say, hey, how about asking a question that has to do with all of us instead of just you? And it would be a lot more self-governed from the whole community as well. So there are ways to do that. I also know that AMAs like that are often targets for the person who is sitting at the top of that. So, right, you know, right. so how they choose to do that or, or not to do that, but there are ways to do that. Um, that would be more inclusive of everybody and people who are absolutely terrified of standing up in front of a microphone. So ask the questions. Yeah. Um, so maybe some, some sort of hybrid. I like the idea of the speaker being able to decline doing a public Q and a, certainly I think it would be a nice option to be able to say, well, I'm going to, I want to do a Q&A, but I'd like to do it one-on-one. -on -one. So as soon as my presentation's mm -hmm. finished, I'm going to take the applause and then walk off and I'll be over there. Um, mm -hmm. and, and, and curiously, this platform kind of does a lot of what we're talking about. If you think about it, there's just comments rolling in um, from all over the place. And, and it's kind of mm -hmm. part of my job to sort of paraphrase them, pick the ones that I want. And nobody generally hops in here and does anything self-serving so that part is taken care of but i would be able to pre-screen them and just say and just read the bit that made sense so it was obvious you know i'm such and such and here's a list of all the great things that my company does i could just just screen that out and just say what your name is and what your company name is and then just get to the number of the question but there's mm -hmm. loads of comments particularly from courtney thank you courtney um she 
she says at smaller camps there is often more questions in the hallway after the session yeah and i guess the i guess what we were saying earlier apologies um bob and michelle it would appear this platform completely obliterates your faces <laughs> i didn't realize that would happen there you go i'm sorry about that um but that does seem only i was taller yeah <laughs> oh no the other platform used to squish the images up but anyway there we go um so yeah that's a good point there's less of an audience so less opportunity to show off and then um Cameron says, on top of that, on top of what was said, ha having vetted questions might also help people remember what their questions are instead of to, instead of having to hold on to them right. for half so an hour. So Cameron, you know, time. I actually type my questions into my um, iPhone notes or I text it to myself so that I don't forget exactly how I wanted to word it and what I wanted to say. So I'm right. one of those people that wants to be very clear about what I want to ask. And so yeah. I, I make sure it's written down and I read it off my phone to make sure I've covered all my bases. Yeah. So... And there's his uh, Courtney again saying that she's asked Matt a question at each international word camp, state of the word and so on. And she keeps it relevant to the make teams, but she is trying she's to wear, raise awareness of them. So she does mention them. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, it's not, I, I, I don't feel it's that. It's not self-serving. No, it doesn't feel like <laughs> that. You, you get a pass. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, those questions have really supported the teams um, and the folks that have joined the teams as a result um, to work on some of the initiatives. Yeah, thank you. Absolutely. I wonder if we could have had, she says, a segmented Q&A with Matt, things about software. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, so segment the questions so they know what's coming up. And then Paul Halfpenny, thank you for joining us, Paul. I was considering asking a short on-topic question for Matthias about what the release window for Phase 3 was likely to be. But there was such a queue at the mics and the delay in answering questions, I decided not to bother. So in that scenario, you got you got put off, which is kind of interesting. I think I've yeah, I've just read that one out, haven't I? I'm struggling. Can, can I tell with you a new platform? How do I know funny, which one's on the screen? Funny, oh, that one, right? Okay. Can I tell you a little bit of a funny story about the Q and A this time? Is yeah, um, I, I was struggling to find a place to get in with my scooter because the handicapped accessible way didn't accommodate the scooter. So I had to go all the way up to the top balcony. Oh, I the saw that. The top yeah, you were right up there, and I scooted yeah, in yeah. at the back. Right. So, yeah. So all of a sudden somebody shows up right next to me holding a microphone and I heard somebody else say, we need to know where Michelle is. And I'm like, I have a reputation for asking questions. Now. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can ask a question. <laughs> make sure, make sure. sure it's coming. Was, it's coming. I think Michelle, you and Courtney uh, would be in the same boat. And then yeah. Birgit, thank you for joining us. Um, I'm thinking about whether it would be useful, especially during the Q and A's, to place one and two volunteers right by the mics and remind the question. Oh, good idea! Remind the questioners about good etiquette. I and to love keep the that. Question limited. So I could be the mic bouncer. That's right. You know, You're the yeah, dude. Yeah, 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 you, know, yeah. There. you could do you got that. Two very minutes. Well. <laughs> If you don't get off in two minutes, we're just going to take the mic away. Yeah, we, like. you know, no, but I mean, it would just be nice, wouldn't it? Okay, it's a question. Ask a question. But also, if you've got a business, please don't stand here and self-promote it. That's not what this is for. Uh, yeah, great. Good suggestions. Um, and yeah, okay, that was interesting. Thank you very much. I, I think for me, the, 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 the whole round of that was you should have the choice to not speak. And you should have the choice to walk off the stage and say, I'll answer questions on a one-to-one -one basis. That feels to me like a fairly decent way of yeah. doing it. And I, I, Usually... I could, could not speak at those events anyway. But honestly, if I could summon up the courage to speak at one of those events, the most terrifying bit would be the Q&A for me. Because I would just yeah, be I don't know. As a speaker... <laughs> It's hard to know what the time limit is. So you start yep. taking questions and you still have to clear the room for the next speaker 
to come in and set up. So oftentimes I'll keep an eye on my watch and I'll say, if you have more questions, I'm go I'll go to the happiness bar and I'd be happy to talk to you one-on-one -on -one there. And I make that announcement from the stage and then I take my exit. So the next speaker is starting to get anxious about setting up their tech. And one more thing about the, just another little thing to add is that uncomfortable zone is a lot of people tend to leave during the Q and A because they're like, for whatever reason, they need to go do something. It's last a little bit too long, whatever. So then you start having mm -hmm. people standing up and it's like, Oh, you know, it's like, my question offend you? So anyway, there's, it's right. just a lot of weird things. Yeah. A lot of weird things. Uh, and then Paul makes the point that if there was more Q and a, sorry, less Q and a, there would be more, more speakers you could get them in more quickly because yeah. you'd have that little extra I'm, I'm slice of that. time yeah interesting uh that was a fascinating subject a little tiny tiny yeah. piece of the wordpress community but obviously you know really important uh, and yeah. thank you for felix for raising that and also for sarah gooding for picking up on it that piece is on wp mm -hmm. tavern it's called word campers Demand changes to Q&A format. Um, okay, we always do AI news. It's important to do AI news because basically that's all the world will be in the next 10 years. So let's quickly squeeze some in. Uh, it turns out WordPress, well, via Jetpack, are jumping on the AI assistant bandwagon. Now, honestly, I don't know how this differs from other things that we've seen in this space. We've had product founders like Andrew Palmer from... Um, Oh, my goodness. Bertha. Bertha.ai. Thank you. Um, and we've also had Munir Kamal on the podcast talking about his uh, Gutenberg Hub products and so on. And ostensibly, they all seem to do similar things. So I don't really know where this differs. But for the, for the figure of $10 a month, you can get Jetpack AI Assistant in your WordPress website. It comes in the form of a block. So you add a block, type in AI, and the AI Jetpack Assistant block will come in. And it's basically a blank text field. I don't know if we can actually see it. Uh, yeah, there's a little video showing on the screen. Apologies if you're watching this. You can see somebody dropping in the block, little blank text box. And you start writing like you would chat GPT. Um, it will answer it uh, as best as it can. It can do things like lists. It can do things like tables. I don't know how you instruct it to create a table. Presumably at some point in the prompt, you have to say, make me a table of the following data. Uh, so it'll do all of the usual content creation stuff, but it will also do, and again, I'm sure this is in available in other products, but I don't really know. If when you've read something through, you feel actually that feels a little bit too jovial, let's make it more professional. Well, it will do that. It does things like empathic, happy, what have you get the idea. There's like 12 or so different types of uh, voice it can have. You can also get it to generate a title based upon any other text that you or it have written. I guess that would be, uh, you know, in terms of SEO and optimization. You can also get it to translate things. So you can go from English to Spanish, Spanish to Greek, whatever, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and it will fix your grammar up for you. So I, I don't know if this is different, if this is, you know, just the same as all the other products. But I did I did think that $10 a month, because it says there's a get started at the bottom, and it says basically you'll get 20 free requests, and after that it's $10 a month. Now, I don't know if that scales. In other words, you know, if, you, if you're using millions and millions and millions of tokens on your giant WordPress website, whether that will, you know, you'll be charged more. But that did seem like a fairly decent price point. I guess Jetpack at some point or WordPress.com had to get into this game. So, again, the floor is open. More AI. Yay. <laughs> Just a convenience to me. I mean, you know, whether it's got more added features than others, it's probably you have Jetpack in, 
give it a try if it works for you or look at the other options. I, I want to know if this new platform that we're using today would um, support a, um, an avatar so that I wouldn't have to actually brush my hair and all of that, so you can yeah. just see a little cartoon Michelle yeah. talking. Yeah, and <laughs> I didn't see I didn't see snarky in the um, the different ways you could have the the. the <laughs> my, um, Are my, you suggesting my... that I'm snarky? Bob? No, I'm just saying. <laughs> I, every once in a while, I feel like getting snarky, you know, and they need oh, okay, to have yeah. that in there. So yeah, yeah they need a little snarky, sarc- yeah, yeah, or yeah. British sarcasm, you might yeah. say. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. that's uh, that's yeah. edited you mean that, version. The stuff that the rest of us don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The um, I don't know. I, I don't know what I think about it. I guess, I guess the, the mantra at the minute is if you don't, if you've got a product and it's got anything to do with text and you don't have AI in it, you are basically failing. Whether or not that's true or not, I don't really know. Um, but here we are. This is the offering that they've got, and it does seem like a fairly attractive price. I don't know if it's just using in the back end. Um, obviously, you're paying Jetpack, so most of the solutions that I've come across now offer you the option to just put your chat GP, uh, sorry, your open AI API key in. And for me, boy, is that cheap. I've tried a few things out on there and it's like 0.0000001 US cent for that answer. So I would, I think really, although it sounds like a deal, $10 a month, you, you might get better mileage if you connect it with a, with a different API. I don't really know. Maya, what's your thoughts? I still don't know what to think about AI. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the sensible position to have, frankly. Um, you know, somehow, I mean, I was raised to work hard and whatever comes easy way, it's not really good. And, you, you know, so for me, something that comes just by pressing enter where I don't have to think and then the text is there. You have no idea if that's true or not. And you're just copying and pasting it. And, you know, I, I feel... I, I, in, in a way, I'm happy, but I'm scared at the same time. Yeah, I feel exactly the same way. And it's interesting. If I put that, if I put the uh, the shot back up, this video, the Jetpack promotional video, I think it's about, um, it's about a minute and 10 long, something like that. I won't play it because I don't think the audio will come through, but it makes exactly that point. The whole USP of this is you don't have to try. I mean, I very much came out of watching that video thinking, okay, so that's the angle that they're taking, you know, effortless, kind of easy, easy. And and for me, that is sort of the, the opposite of the enterprise of writing text. I think good text comes out of working hard and thinking hard, certainly something that I want to read. Um, I want to think, okay, whoever wrote that, they put some effort into it. So I'm like you, Maya, I'm really unsettled. The technology's cool. I love it. It seems to be amazing. But I do have this slight fear that in the background somewhere we're just going to create this, we're just going to flood the landscape with mediocre content that we then don't know how to, how to I deal still with. enjoy using it for idea generation. So like Perfect. if I'm going to write an article, like 10 ideas, 10 ways to X, Y, Z, and it gives me 10 ways I can look and think, oh, I hadn't thought of those three. Okay, I'll incorporate those three without using you know, AI actually write articles for me. I did do that once for post status and I put at the very top, this this entire article was generated by AI just to see what kinds of feedback it would get. And literally nobody said anything about it. So it was very interesting. I yes, I would really like if anything that's being written by AI is actually stated. 
because mm -hmm. I would then know whether I need to check the data described there or somebody actually went and manually did it. Why? Because mm -hmm. what I think that the biggest advantage of AI is that our brains will just stop operating because the machines will do everything for mm -hmm. us. So are we trying to develop as a civilization or we just want to stagnate and gen degenerate and then you have a machine who thinks about for you? Right. Yeah. So, and I, so, found it, I found it very useful to use the next morning after you've gone out a night with Nathan. <laughs> the AI comes in really handy. It's like you wake up and you're just like, and you go, oh, I'm just going to, oh, wow, look at all that content I'm putting out. So I, I, I don't disagree. found a very good thing for it. So if you, you know. <laughs> I think, I'll agree I think that. Maya has hit the nail on the head, though. I think the content warning, I, I mean, who on earth knows how you would police that? But I do like the idea of the content warning. I did mention it a couple of weeks ago, actually. It turns out that Google, for images, in Google Image Search, they, they, haven't, they haven't shipped this yet, but they've got this proposal out there, which is to say, because Google basically knows when any image on the internet first appeared, Let's say that, for example, you've got a picture of a politician um, or a video of a politician or something like that, and they're doing something which seems like slightly out of character for them. Google are going to be able to say, OK, this this video or this image first appeared online on this date at this time. And so from that, you'll be able to sort of read backwards and say, well, hang on a minute. That was that was hours after the initial video. So something a bit quirky is going on there. You know, and if you see a picture from the 19. Uh, I don't know, the 1990s or something like that. Um, and it only appeared in 2023. Well, you're fairly confident that somebody doctored that because Google knows it appeared in the last millennium. So I think that's quite a decent initiative. But it's a bit of an honest system, isn't it? I go to my, my, I pay for an online subscription for a newspaper in the UK. And the reason I pay for that is because I want humans to edit it. I want an actual human being to say, okay, this is our opinion on it. We've sent journalists out into the field. What I don't want them to do is employ AI and fact check it afterwards. I want to be able to pay them so that they get a blank page and everything that's written on that page is done by a human being. That's just my proclivity. And my concern is that at some point, how do you know that that newspaper that I'm paying for we'll stop doing that and a little bit will creep in and, you know, or maybe we generated the headline a bit more clickbaity for this reason or, you know, and a bit of the text, we didn't quite research that. And it's the, it's the erosion of trust, which bothers me. Anyway, that's my weekly rant about AI. <laughs> Do that every single week. I can't help myself. Um, Tom, thank you very much. He says, thank you, Maya, being able to write and express yourself is an essential skill. Yeah, that's certainly true. Oh, I think I can move these. Look. Oh, that's great. It says I can double click and move these things around. So how do I do that? No, apparently not. Oh, well, never mind. I thought I was going to be able to move the comments around, but apparently not. I was going to cover up my face and Maya's face for a little while, but you're, we're stuck <laughs> with we're stuck with the yeah, that's right. We're stuck with the way it is. Okay, let's as long move as you on. can still hear me, I don't mind if you yeah, that's right. Face. Well, I might, I might write to the developers of this software and suggest that as a, as a possible upgrade because I'm, I'm liking the rest of it. Okay, this is a very minor piece, but I thought it was worth mentioning. WordPress.org, uh, especially going to be interesting, I guess, if you're a plugin or theme creator. Uh, a little while ago, Matt, in the state of the word 2022, which I've maybe some of you guys were at, um, he announced that there was a plan to label community and commercial uh, plugins and themes. In other words, you would there's this binary choice. You either label yourself as community 
or you label yourself as commercial. Now, obviously, if you're in the WordPress repository, that bit is not commercial. So the question is, well, what's that about then? And the, the enterprise here is that if your product has an upsell, if there is a premium version, you would label it as commercial. And if you have no skin in the game financially, you're just doing a, a plugin for the, for the benefit of the community and there's no upsell model, anything like that, you would label it as community. Well, those tags are now enabled. They're, they're visible but it would appear that there's no kind of hard and fast rule about when it needs to be applied. I'm getting all of this from a Tavern article. It's entitled WordPress.org enables commercial and community filters on plugins and theme directories. And because it's not being enforced at the moment, it does somewhat seem a little bit pointless to have out there. I can, I can kind of see it if I'm getting a plugin and I know that there's absolutely no upsell. In other words, I'm getting the, you know, let me get the word right. I'm getting the community version. There is something in that for me. I, I, there is a little bit, I, I don't know, my head goes in a sort of slightly more positive direction because I only want that thing. I know I'm gonna, not going to be upsold. That sounds cool. I'll try that. And if, if it's a commercial one, I know what I'm getting myself in for. Maybe there'll be ads. Maybe, the, maybe it'll be an upsell, blah, 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 blah. So anyway, I don't know what you guys think about this. To me, it strikes me as really it doesn't need to be binary. You only need one. The tag is commercial everything else doesn't need to be labeled community it just is community so we yeah just and i think you've made a good point nathan earlier when you're chatting before on this is that i think it's kind of this maybe happened because so many of the plugins that are coming out that do have premium versions are coming in more and more bare bone compared to how it used to be with plugins you know free plugins would come in they would have a premium but there was still a lot with the free plugin and, and not saying that doesn't happen as much, but I just see more and more coming in really bare bone and you almost, you know, what can you do, but pay something to connect this to something to make it happen. So I, I don't know if you, you know, it's nice. Yeah. It would be like, here's commercial, everything else is whatever. Well, especially if you're, you know, especially if really you're building a website and money is tight. Um, if you could toggle on a, community or you know in this case toggle i guess toggle off the commercial toggle uh to see that okay all of these are utterly free they're they're unencumbered by any kind of upsell it's free now presumably it will be free forever there's just there they are that's a nice feature to be able to see isn't it and and i think mm -hmm. you're right um i i know of that i feel that the free version is not really all that free you know you're you're saddled with a ton of ads possibly the free version really doesn't do as much as perhaps you would imagine it did do and really it's all about the upsell so maybe this is combating that so yeah mm -hmm. thank you bob uh, I, michelle maya i i never think i don't think it's a problem to have it labeled one or the other versus one or nothing um especially with a toggle right with a toggle it kind of lets you know that there's more than one option and it also leads the opportunity for a third option someday. I don't know what that would look like, but it gives you um, opportunities for that. But right. also when you're looking at something and you know that it's it's a, a community plugin, then perhaps you have lower expectations about how quickly um, you, your questions might be answered as well, right? So like I have a plugin in the repository. Nobody's ever asked for support because it's basically a version of Hello Dolly. And I understand that very low maintenance, very low everything. But if somebody sees that it's it's a plugin that I've created for the community, maybe it hasn't been updated to the latest version of WordPress, 
there's a, a better understanding of why that's so than if I'm trying to also sell something and this is my business. And I might be, have people who are dedicated to answering those questions as opposed to, I have a different job, but I also threw this in there for other people to take benefit of. I don't know. Thank you. Yeah, that makes sense. I agree I really to what, about it from that angle. Yeah, sorry, fine. I agree to what Michelle said. I mean, it depends what is the usage. I mean, if you're making a commercial website and you're trying to fix it with community plugins, I mean, that's not going to work. I mean, you have to understand the purpose of it, right? I mean, it's great to promote it and perhaps use it, but you have to understand the weight of what you're building and what you need it for. Because if the last update was, I don't know, two years ago, I mean, how are you going to use it? So there is a, I mean, it's very, how to say, critical. I mean, for me, to be honest with you, I, I don't know why that it's important, whether it's paid or community-made, because in general, I mean, if something becomes successful, you need huge support, you need, you will need to become commercial, you know, so I, I didn't really understand the point. Yeah. This. I, I think the, the I think the point of this is kind of lost unless it becomes a mandatory thing, really, isn't it? You know, if this if this is a tag that you have to honour, I'm either one or the other because everybody is one or the other of those in the plugin or theme directory. Maybe it needs to be enforced. And there's some commentary in the piece um, about exactly that. You know, maybe this should become a flag that everybody's got to honour in some way. Seemingly at the moment, despite the fact that it's there, a very tiny number, I think. From memory, reading this article a few days ago, I think it was several hundred had actually implemented this. So there's no compulsion at the moment. And also there is talk about the fact that it will be not just on WordPress.org, but it will be entering the ecosystem that you will find in your WordPress website. So this filter will be available at the point at which you install, not just download plugins. So there you go. All right, thank you. This is just a little bit of a hat tip to uh, a friend of mine who has released North Commerce. I don't know if you've come across this before, but um, North Commerce is intending to be a WooCommerce rival. They've they've been in beta for a long, long time, and, and it's kind of interesting that they've now come out with the slogan, the real beta. I think really they've acknowledged that the beta has gone on for, for long enough, but not quite there yet. But uh, if you if the idea of using a different product than WooCommerce or you want to explore a different e-commerce solution built inside of WordPress, um, they are offering it at the moment on a three domain license. And I believe this is a lifetime deal, although I could be wrong. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. At the moment, I'm looking at this. It looks like they've got 288 licenses at nearly $500, $475 for three. It says three domains there. Uh, you can still get it. It seems pretty credible. Um, there's a lot of, lot of, they've got a nice big, I think it's discord channel where people are sort of contributing. So I think they're serious about this, but Google North commerce and, uh, and you'll see that there. So just a hat tip, um, really, I don't know if anybody wants to comment on that, but, uh, maybe Bob, Bob's, uh, Bob's thinking, let's, let's hope these guys don't have too much success. Otherwise I'm going to have to rename my podcast, <laughs> yeah. do the North no, I, commerce. I, no, I've watched them. I mean, they've been around for, I mean, he's like you said, he's been building it for a while. A couple of years. Um, at least. I know, yeah. I know a couple of people that have been directly involved with the building it too. And um, yeah, I, I, I say, Hey, you know, there's room for stuff. So, you know, if it's, and I actually heard somewhere that I think he's, you know, it, it looks like directly competitive with WooCommerce, but also I think he's looking at big commerce too, hmm. because of their tie into Woo, I mean, tie into WordPress. So, so yeah, I think it's great. 
Go and check it out. Yeah, I think that's probably the most that we can say is go and check it out. They're still looking for some advice about the roadmap and things like that. So you've got a limited time, 288 units available uh, if you're selling stuff online. Okay, Michelle, Maya, shall we move on? Okay. All righty. The next one uh, is all about accessibility. I don't really understand US law around this, but hopefully Michelle in particular and Bob can assist me because both being US citizens. Again, back on the WP Tavern, Michelle Good. Uh, sorry, Michelle Gooding. Who is that? <laughs> uh, Sarah Good. <laughs> and Sarah now you know, Sarah and Sarah I are Frechette. one of the same. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Michelle, uh, Michelle did not write this. It was Sarah Gooding that wrote this. WordPress Accessibility Day secures non-profit status for an annual for the annual event. Calls for speakers and sponsors. So the WordPress Accessibility Day is a twenty-four hour event. Uh, they had one. Uh, can't remember exactly when i'm going to say sort of september time last year something like that and it was very successful over 1500 1604 it says attendees uh, from 52 countries were able to attend with 28 sponsors um and great success however it feels like the the team behind it would like to be able to step outside of the confines of a normal wordpress event no expert in this, but it feels like you've got to go through the usual channels. I don't think you can pay the speakers necessarily, and maybe the the sponsorship you have to deal with in a in a different way. So, in the same way that I, I do this summit, this page builder summit thing, it's entirely you know we organize it, we run it, and so we can do what we like. It looks like that's the avenue that they're going. Uh, they're going to be paying speakers three hundred dollars per session. So, if that intrigues you. Uh, it's, I don't know if they're still looking for speakers, in all honesty, for this one. But it's coming up 27th of September to the 28th of September. And the hoop that they had to jump through in U.S. law is something called 501c3. Now, that creates a nonprofit organization, which we would call a charity. And charities mm-hmm. have, you know, there's a lot of paperwork to do to become a charity, but also, yes. you know, you don't get to be that status unless you can prove that you are legit. So I guess it adds some kind of legitimacy in there as well, but also mm-hmm. certain sets of financial responsibilities. I guess you've got to be open with your accounts sure. and things like that. So anyway, what do you make of this, you guys? I think it's great. Um, the 501c3 status here in the United States is an IRS determination. So it's taxation issues so that anybody, what it does is it allows anybody who makes a donation to that organization, that donation is tax deductible. Um, It does not necessarily account for sponsorships. Sponsorships are something separate because you are buying something that then is, um, you're being given something in return. So sponsorships is separate than donation status, but 5013C status also allows them to operate without taxation as well. So if they're making purchases, if, if the organization has to purchase microphones, for example, they can do that without having to pay tax on those microphones. So tax exemption status is what that basically gives us. Um, it, it does legitimize it for sure because there are so many hope, hoops that you do have to jump through. So many things you have to prove um, in, or, in order to be able to say that you are 501c3 and have that distinction. Um, and it also is expensive and it takes a lot of time. You usually have to engage a 501c3, a nonprofit um, lawyer to do the paperwork for you because it is so intense. So it can run anywhere from 1500 to $15,000 to establish huh. a nonprofit status here in the United States. Yeah, it's um, it's my wife and I, Judy, we 
helped a lot of nonprofits. That was another thing in our lives before we got into WordPress. So we, she was a grant writer. And that's the other thing is instead of sponsorships, you can get into grants and there's government grants, there's corporate grants, there's all these other grants. So there's different funding you can tap into as a nonprofit. And that is specifically earmarked for nonprofits. So, I mean, competitive, you know, it's not like it's flying around and free to grab, but it's um, my Judy spent many years as a grant writer and she was a grant writer for world vision international company, um, nonprofit organization. And so, you know, we've, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a lot of work. Yeah, it is, but it's, there's, there's advantages to it and that's why people do. So you, you get this status and then you can apply for pots of money, which are set aside for uh, charitable, we would say initiatives and you can apply for those Mm -hmm. and you compete with everybody else, but you, you, you at least can, apply for them it's open to you but as prior to the 50 sorry i'm going to just have to read it again 501c3 prior to that you couldn't even apply for those pots no okay no. so that's you have to correct. have that status right mm-hmm. right okay um peter ingersoll helpfully uh says don't basically don't try to apply because the uh, the application closed just yesterday so we were 24 yeah, it's hours still open on their website oh okay. they, they haven't closed it on the website as of yeah. just now but yeah i don't know um, and do you know if the, because I think I'm right in saying this, if you apply to speak at WordCamp, you you will not be paid. There is no scenario in which payment can happen. Um, whereas in this, the 501c3 frees them up to pay. In this case, they've nominated, they've decided on a fee of 300. But if you were at a WordCamp, that could not happen. So it gives, gives them that flexibility to remunerate their speakers, which seems like quite a nice thing to do, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Maya, anything on that? You're good. Okay. I think your mic might be muted. Sorry. No, it's okay. It's fine. Uh, You shook your head. That's absolutely fine. Okay. So, yeah, congratulations to the WordPress Accessibility Day. It sounds like over the last year, in order to get over a few of those hurdles, Amber Hines, who we've had on this show, uh, sort of took the responsibility on her company's shoulders, Equalized Digital, and kind of acted... um, I, I suppose made her company the fulcrum for the whole thing, but now they've they managed to sidestep that. So excellent, bravo, well done. Yeah. All righty, okay, let's move on. Just a quick one. I did a podcast episode. If you like blocks, we were talking a little bit about blocks earlier. If you're curious about blocks and block packs and suites and things like that, there was a an interesting podcast that I did. I won't labour this too much, but I did it with Christian Petersay from um, maxi blocks and maxi blocks it's worth checking out because they've got a whole load of blocks they do a whole load of things but talking about the free commercial this is kind of an interesting one because their whole product is completely free except the templates so normally you pay for like i don't know you you get a block and some features of that block will be missing certain settings will be unavailable to you they've opened the floodgates to all the settings all the features but they've excluded their templates. So if you want to use their pre-designed stuff, you know, click a button and a whole page of About Us content drops in or a, a row of the, I don't know, hero section drops in. That's the bit that they've hidden behind the paywall. So though in theory, they would be commercial. But if you're just going to build things from the ground up yourself, completely free. So you can go and listen to that podcast all about that. Now, I'm no longer 17, sadly. I used to be. Uh, several years ago. <laughs> I'm not even going to try the maths. Uh, somebody over here is 17, though. This is a new product 
called Kalapka. May has just gone, and she was the one that was going to talk about it. Let's hope she pops back into the stream. Uh, she put this on the agenda for this week. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to sum up what this product is, and hopefully Mayor will <laughs> drop back in. Talk about timing. Um, this is a new product. It's called Collab Cart. You can find it at collabcart.net. And we had a brief chat before the podcast began. And so I'll try not to butcher what she said. Essentially, this is if you and a bunch of people want to buy, and she used an example of a T-shirt. Imagine that you and a ton of your mates want to buy this particular T-shirt. The way that e-commerce works largely at the moment is either you give all of the money to one person, they buy them all and, and saddle the problem of making sure that everybody gets the right one and all this, or... You can use this new thing, which is a, a WooCommerce plugin built on top of WooCommerce. And the idea is that individual people can come to the platform, but buy the thing as one big order. Ah, she's back. Here we go. Um, welcome back, Mayor. <laughs> I'm just explaining how this works. And I'm just saying I've just got to the point where 50 people are buying a T-shirt and instead of buying it once and distributing it to 50 different people, those 50 people can collaborate, buy it 50 different times, but it all ships as one order. So, Maya, forgive me, is the principle here that you just save money on shipping because everybody's buying the stuff at the same time? You're on mute. If you're on mute or if you're not on mute, uh, have I got you on mute? No, I've got you off mute. I've... Try again. Just make sure the mic that you've selected is right. Just at the bottom of the screen below where we're recording is a little mute button. And next to that is a little arrow. And if you click on the little arrow, it will give you the option to select the correct mic. And if the mic that you want isn't there, we're doomed, Captain Mannering. No. Should we give her, should we give her 20 seconds? Let, let, yeah, no, let, let me jump gone. in and... and... Let me give, I, I, I know a little bit about this from what she said before, is that mm -hmm. definitely it helps a lot as far as coordinating payment and things like that and shipping, because all the shipping will be set to, you know, to, to, the, to the one place. But also, if you are somebody who, let's say that you are, um, you're running a sports team and everybody has a different size t-shirt, you don't have to keep a spreadsheet now of all those different t-shirts. You just tell people, jump in, place your, you know, add to the order, your size, the color, and the whatever else that needs to go with that. And now one person has all of that information in one place without having to coordinate it separately. It's really clever, right? I think it's a really smart, smart yeah. take on a WooCommerce checkout. And I've not seen this before. Maya, Maybe are you either. joining us again? Is the mic working, I wonder? Can you hear me? Yeah, we got yes. you loud and clear. Did I get that right, Maya? You, I have no idea what you guys were testing because I was rejoining. I'll explain very quickly for Maya's benefit. What we were saying is that this this new plugin, this um, collab cart, is that you get, let's say it's 50 T-shirts. Rather than one person buying all 50 and then having to distribute them or 50 people buying one individually, you can all collaborate, but you pay one time. And therefore, everybody can just log in, get their order, and then it ships once, right? Correct. And you can also choose different colors and different sizes and you can tailor make your part of the shipment. I mean, this guy, his name is Loro. He's just turned 18 and I'm very proud of the Z generation because we're so, you know, wanting to bring them into our world because we are all old and we constantly meet 
the same people at the conferences and we really require some fresh blood. So here is the fresh blood coming. Nice. So he came to speak at WordCamp Europe this year. And he's what he's trying, the reason why he came up with this uh, solution is to try to solve the problem of Z generation. For instance, we might not be needing such things, right? But then there are new requirements from the Z generation. So basically, the call-up card offers a unique approach to acquiring new customers by enabling the sharing card links, resulting in highly effective advertisement and social proof. So the, gen, the, so the Z generation, they're all about social proof. So this is oh, why I think... Got it. Is, yeah? Yeah, I, I hadn't made that connection before, but I'm, you know, when I when I buy from e-commerce, I still see it as quite a novel thing, if you know what I mean. But kids on kids nowadays, my kids, really shops and bricks and mortar stores are just not really a feature of their life. When I was younger, a typical thing to do on a Saturday was go around the shops. You would just sort of wander around the shops with your friends and browse things. My kids are not doing that. They're looking at stuff online at, you know, late in the night and deciding, oh, I'll try that and we'll get it shipped. And if it doesn't fit, I'll send it back. But the idea of being able to buy things en masse is truly, I think, I think this is really, really clever. I hope that, um, I hope that it's successful. I imagine that if it is successful, there'll be like three dozen copycat plugins coming along. But Bob, you're the, you're the WooCommerce, you know, the WooCommerce <laughs> expert, I suppose, amongst us. What do you make of this? Um, yeah, I think it's great. I yeah. didn't, um, uh, yeah, I'm trying to think, I think I've seen the name, but I hadn't quite dove into it. So this is good because, uh, yeah, I, I'm impressed. I'm impressed that he's 18 years old too, because I wasn't doing this kind of stuff when I was 18 years old, but, um, <laughs> and, and anyway, and he was, yeah, I don't, I may have met him at WordCamp Europe. I can't say for sure. But I met a lot of people. But um, yeah, I, I think it's really cool. It's uh, yeah, I'll have to um, give him a little plug because I think it's a it's a much needed piece of the puzzle for sure. I really, I do genuinely like the idea. I can I can yeah. imagine, you know, like for example, somebody's birthday or wedding or something like that that you throw together this one link and uh, it all just gets delivered. Everybody that's attending the wedding that wants to buy gifts buys it all gets shipped to the one place at the right time to the right person who lives like two minutes drive away from the venue but everybody's paying for their own individual things yeah it just seems yeah. seems like a really smart idea i have and to it's say the one thing i just to add uh, real quick is that you know I, I've, I've for a long time i mean everybody's you know pulling out these plugins all these features i am a big fan of plugins that do one thing and do them good you know and this is this is exactly it. I mean, he's got it nailed down to this one thing. He's not trying to add a bunch of bells and whistles to it, but solving one problem, which is um, which is huge these days. And I think that's if you can find that. And he found this, you know, like you said, maybe there'll be some more to follow up. I'm sure there will be. But, you know, if he took the time to um, actually do this, um, it's it's great. Yeah. And I see that Christopher was um, he's he's actually on the podcast. He's quite the. Um, as a huge agency and he gave a testimonial there so okay yeah good stuff I, I love it social proof indeed so i will link to this as show notes but for the purposes of people listening it's at collab cart c-o-l-l-a cart c-a-r-t dot net and you can find it there i don't know let me click on the buy now link let's see if it'll give us a price so it's monthly pricing 
uh, $49 per annum, or you can pay $4. And yeah, okay, that's that's actual honest pricing. Look at that $4.09 <laughs> exactly a month, which equates to $49. None of this like rounding up and rounding down, depending on what you do. Uh, it was updated a little while ago, so 2022, 9th of the 10th. But nevertheless, go and check it out. I'll link to that in the show notes. Okay, we're going to make this our final piece for today, unless you guys have got something else you want to drop in. But, uh, <laughs> oh, dear. First of all, Elon Musk buys Twitter and then charges an awful lot for the API access, which seems to have annoyed a lot of developers. And, uh, you know, it's always fun to annoy the general population. So Reddit this week have decided to do exactly that. Uh, Reddit, a popular site where you can basically go and get the answer to more or less any question. It's divided into, I'm going to say millions, it probably isn't, but thousands and thousands and thousands of sub-communities. So if you're into, I don't know, skateboarding, there's probably a Reddit channel for that. If you're into painting or whatever, there's going to be a channel for that. But this... Uh, this last week or so, the CEO of Reddit has basically decided that any app or anything that is using the API to suck out content from Reddit is going to have to start paying. Previously to this, it was completely free. Now, the, the sort of wrinkle here is that the API being completely free means that a lot of successful apps, and there's one called Apollo, for example, were able to just consume an infinite amount of data out of Reddit's API. But what the API doesn't do, and maybe they should have thought this through, but the API doesn't allow their adverts to show on the content that is socked out via the API. So Apollo builds the app, and you get this perfectly great ad-free Reddit experience. Or you can go to reddit.com, look at the exact same content, and it's full of ads. I mean, I don't know about you, but I kind of know which one I'm going to frequent because I'm not that fond of ads polluting the stuff. So Reddit have basically said, you know, you've been free riding for a long time. You've done very well out of us, but we're now going to start charging. But the charges are astronomically high. I mean, millions and millions a month if you have a popular app. So I don't know what you guys think. I, this stuff really does seem like we're going through something at the moment. A lot of these apps that we've thrown our content into, I can imagine that there's Redditors who've probably given up hours and hours and hours of their lives moderating off and being a good citizen on Reddit. I think they feel it's a bit like a kick in the teeth. I'm sure that a lot of people on Twitter felt the same if they had a Twitter app that was using the, the API. I don't know. I feel like we're at a bit of a turning point in the minute where a lot of us are waking up and thinking, well, these platforms that are taking our content and trying to churn a profit off the back of it, mm, I don't know what to make of it, which puts us in the WordPress space in a good position because, you know, you own your own content. But anyway, there's the story. What do you make of it? Over to you. A quick Google turns up that there are over 2.8 million subreddits. <gasps> so, yeah, that's a lot. It is. Yeah, popular. and then at any particular point in time, there's over 140,000 active users. So that's yeah. a lot of uh, of um, activity. Uh, I think Reddit has done a lot of things differently than a lot of places have. Specifically, um, you can be as anonymous as you'd like on Reddit, which is really kind of nice, but also a double-edged sword. Um, there are a lot of WordPress subreddits. Um, there are a lot of pornography subreddits. Not that I frequent those. I actually frequent the WordPress ones, for the record. <laughs> but um, but Reddit has a lot of capabilities, and it does everything 
other than advertising is free. So it's free to use, it's free to do whatever you like, just like, you know, WordPress and Twitter and all of those things. Um, and, and like, I see a, a comment from Cameron that says that most of the app developers are happy to use, uh, to pay for the use of the API, but the, those that pricing is extortionate. And I agree with that 100%. Um, you're either going to kill it by charging those kinds of fees, or you know, you're going to make it very, you're gonna survive on a few users uh, a few people that are going to pay that and and not the others and perhaps that's the way to go it's like when i was teaching people how to build web wordpress websites you could build 10 websites at $300 or you could build one website at $3000 which would you rather do and mm. so there's there's lots of different ways to look at monetization and there's lots of different um models that you can look at for that and remembering that the cheaper that you charge something the more people there are that you have to support for it so there's just a lot that probably went into that i, I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall when they came up with that valuation yeah i think i think the one of the things is they're going to do an ipo so the one of the thoughts is they're trying to make themselves as profitable as possible before the ipo but it, it really mm -hmm. just boils down to the eye-watering amount of money that they were charging, but I, I can yeah. I can kind of see it from their point of view. You know, if they've got this free service which is free to use, and and a lot of the 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 right the apps which consume the API can show the exact same content, but without the ads that they need to make it profitable. I get the point, but also I'm slightly worried that we're getting we're getting to the point where lots of these apps, which over the last decade or so we've been pouring our free labor into. So you imagine, I don't know, the WordPress subreddit where there's probably thousands and thousands of hours been poured into that for free and lots and lots of moderators making sure that it's cleaned up and is curated and it looks nice and there's no, you know, no incendiary comments in there or something off message. A lot of that stuff, you've got to feel you're on slightly shaky ground now. Because if these tremors turn into earthquakes and Reddit kind of starts to suffer and becomes less profitable and ultimately it probably won't happen, but it does go out of business, just kind of make you think, bloody heck, what have all those people achieved over the years that they've been pouring their, their hard work into Reddit? Well, anyway, Let's yeah. also not forget that Reddit has a lot of um, sway. Remember the, what happens, what's happened in the stock market in the past? based on Reddit users and how they have chosen to attack or promote oh, yeah. different stocks in the past. So yeah. the, the power behind the Reddit user base is enormous. You know, the power, it, what, what amazes me about all of this is, and it, I know it's kind of a cop out, but it's like, did we not see this going to happen sooner or later? I mean, we get on all these platforms, we're on their platforms. It's, you know, I, I'm that way. I mean, I'm still on Twitter, whether how that ever plays out, if I'm there forever. We we pour our heart and soul out on it, but I don't feel like I poured a lot of my heart and soul on a lot of that stuff. You know, if it's, it's disposable, if it happens, it happens, I move on. But it's, yeah, it's like there's, you know, if we see all this stuff happening and, it's costing us nothing and we're able to do all this. Hey, you know, it could happen. It's going to happen. Maybe it won't happen on certain platforms, but yeah, I know. Yeah. I think it sucks. The, 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 yeah. They come up with these incredible amounts of money. You know, they suddenly is bam here. You need to pay us. Well, you know, well, they, it's it's like your landlord coming to you and saying, oh, now I'm going to increase your right. rent by 45%. Right, well, right. <clears throat> so yeah. there's, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's... It's interesting because in the in the article, if you, I'll, I'll link to it in the show notes, if you read it. So the Apollo app, I think, is $20 million that they've got to find, which is just an extraordinary amount. I mean, who has 
anybody got twenty million dollars just lying around to keep their app? Yeah, Maya, that's it. Just sort of, yeah. Um, so, so basically, what you are saying is we are going to put you out of business. We've priced it at an amount of money which we know you. It's very unlikely you're going to be able to afford. Um, but also, it just kind of feels a little bit like a bit of a shakedown, you know. It yeah, just, it is. It just, yeah, just, but but we in the WordPress, I, I don't know. I feel a little bit smug, and I don't mean to sound smug, but haven't we all, as WordPressers, been telling everybody forever, own your own content, M have a web WordPress website. It's yours. The, the worst that can happen is your hosting company goes out of business. In which case, you just download a backup, and you're off to the races. I, I do wish that that message. You know, how many more Twitters and Reddits do we need to go through before people start to think, okay, yeah. The problem is, Bob, you said that Twitter, you know, you're still on Twitter. I'm still on Twitter. You know, it's there. It's so blooming effective. But but I would I would love for there to be a, a more open system. It's kind of interesting that there are a couple of activity, Bob, read Mastodon, um, rivals to Reddit, and they've had a real upswing in the last couple of weeks. Now, whether or not that, you know, peters out and becomes more of a thing or the people go back to Reddit, because a lot of these um, a lot of these Reddit communities in protest have just basically said, we're shutting down. We're just going to post weird content or no content at all. Do you know what they're posting? Do you know what the, do you know what the consensus now is? You've got to post content only in all, in a lot of these Reddit communities that have decided to sort of stop you can only post content that's about Oliver Martin. Is that is he the TV guy? Doesn't he do a chat show or something like that? Is that him? What's his name? Uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. I haven't got it in this article. But a load of these people have decided on this one TV personality. If you post about him, you're fine. Anything else? No. <laughs> it's just kind of hysterical. It's their funny way of saying, get lost, Reddit. Well, anyway, I, I don't wish Reddit bad. I just wish that these kind of things didn't happen. Get a website. Everybody, get a WordPress website. You'll own it all. Good for you. Yeah. That's it. I'm yeah. done. Yeah. I am done with the rant. <laughs> I think, I think we're it. finished. Yeah. That's it. That's all I've got for this week. Um, we're finishing a couple of minutes early, which is great because I know Bob's got a dead hard stop. Uh, sorry if the platform failed on you, Maya. I don't know what went wrong there. The audio definitely was a bit quirky at times, wasn't it? Oh, it was you, was it? She's pointing us out. Okay, fine. Thank you. I'll see if I can make it work, see if there's any tweaks that we can do for next year. Thank you to all of you who made comments. I really appreciate it. We will be back next week i have no idea how i'm going to stop this show but uh before we do go i have one request and that is that everybody do the slightly humiliating arm wave. look at bob's got one behind the mic one in yeah, front of okay, the mic there. yeah yeah there you go that's great <laughs> i appreciate it thank you very much we will be back next week take it easy thanks maya thanks michelle thank you bob take it easy bye thank now. you bye. bye let's see if this will work